so let's go ahead and talk about <laughs> oh this is that was a sad good. transition i was gonna do. let's talk about your failure not to make it to city council um so um <laughs> but it's not because you didn't try um it's i don't see it as a failure on your part i don't see it as a failure either um so good so good um so i think i guess it makes sense if i did the intro because i've talked to her a little yes bit more. you're more familiar okay um and so i think I'm, what i'm basically gonna say is that you're carrie olinsky Olinsky, yep. Well, mm-hmm. you're Carrie Olinsky. Mm-hmm. You ran for Charlotte City Council uh, in July 2022, and you did not make it in. We're going to talk about that, and we're just going to let you, the only thing we're going to script is be like, hey, just tell us about yourself. You don't have to tell us, like, oh, my favorite color's red, or, you know. Yeah. I mean, you. I imagine you've done some sort of, like, Yeah, I'll stuff. preset my bio that I did for political stuff. Yeah, so yeah. You, you're, you're already <laughs> familiar then. And then from what you say, we'll just probably launch into first just your political, what you think went wrong, the landscape of Charlotte, you know, basically kind of even just what we talked about downstairs, like just a casual yeah. conversation. Um, and then, you know, if we get a good transition, um, you're also a physician's assistant. I think integrative medicine is really interesting. A lot of people are very interested in it including myself, <laughs> as we spent half of the conversation. I felt so bad. I was like, okay, I have to ask her. I can't not <laughs> ask her. Um, I don't, I think <clears throat> I get in situations and they hear that I'm a functional medicine provider and then they're like, ooh, I have to qu- ask you a question. You know, yeah. <laughs> whether it's simple that it's Googleable, you know, yeah. if that's even a word, but, yeah. or yeah. whether or not it's just like, hey, I have this thing or my friend or whatever. And, you know, I'm happy to help. I mean, I think when you given this, and maybe I shouldn't say all this. I don't know if we're recording. <laughs> uh, it's recording, but okay. I mean. Well, if you were like off the record, then you can just say. Yeah, yeah but I'm record. always willing to help because I feel like the, the information and the knowledge that I've gleaned from not only reading in school um, and then my preceptors and my and my supervising docs. I mean, it's all information and, and I want to help people. So I don't mind, you know, if it becomes this unending sort of continuation of questions that mm-hmm. like. You know, it's like, okay, you're, this that's is more of an abuse. <laughs> that's why I was like trying not to take advantage yeah, no, of you and just I be like, no, yeah. I'll, I'll set up an appointment. I'll do it the right way. Um, just so yeah. that I'm respectful of you. Yeah, no. And I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate that. And I think a lot of people are very considerate of the time. Um, but I mean, you know, like when I heard your photography and I was talking to, you know, um, oh my gosh, why did you Connor? <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's all right. Yeah, then I was like, okay, I need to ask questions. So I think it's just more of an exchanging of information where you can. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what this podcast is about. And, you know, from that, I think this is a good point to get us started here. Sure. Um, and get us into this interview. Uh, welcome back to Resident Skeptics. I am your host that needs no introduction, uh, but in case I do go to our website, uh, and this is also someone else who needs no introduction, but she does. Uh, this is Carrie Olinsky. We're very excited to have her on here to talk about uh, local politics today. Uh, Carrie had the pleasure of running for Charlotte City Council um, as a Republican, uh, and unfortunately, she was not able to win that race. But we're actually going to talk about why. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the political landscape, why local elections are important. I know a lot of people like to focus on national elections, um, but the truth is they all matter a lot, and we're going to discuss it all. Uh, but before we do that, Carrie, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, thank us. you so much for thank having me. Thank you for coming me. out. Yeah, this is great. Um, so... 
you know, I was kind of alluding to earlier, this is actually my first podcast, so I'm yeah. super excited to do this, and it's <laughs> a new setup, but um, this is really cool, so I appreciate being here. Yeah, no, thanks Thanks for coming out, uh, and we're excited to kind of, I guess this might be like the first politician that we've, we've gotten the chance to talk to uh, about this type of thing, but just before we dive in, just tell us a little bit about you, about... Mm-hmm. just in general, and then we'll just kind of get started from there. Yeah, so I'm originally actually from South Jersey, and I went to Gardner-Webb and and then went back for PA school, back home a little bit, and then came back down here to work. And so I actually worked in Raleigh for about six, six years and then came over to Charlotte um, six years ago and have, you know, loved Charlotte. I think it's such an active city, and there's so much to do. You're so close to the mountains. Yep. You have the... Um, White Water Center so close by. Beach mm-hmm. is also just not yeah. Too beach far is away. not too far yeah. away, and so um, we've really just loved Charlotte moving here. And I, I moved here actually a couple of different reasons, um, but um, a part of my move was actually to work with my doc. And so, um, being that I am a physician assistant and I do a specialized type of medicine called functional medicine, where we really try to get to the root of the problem with our patients. Um, mm-hmm. It's, I kind of almost look at it as like we're the investigators of health. I yeah. know that's kind of cheesy okay. to say it, but that's kind of the way to do it. It's an understandable way of, of looking at medicine for someone like me who's like, mm, <laughs> don't know too much. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I do functional medicine and um, I am a mom um, of a almost two-year-old little girl, um, Eliana, and oh. been married about eight years uh, with my husband, Dave, who is actually a Delta pilot. A Delta pilot? Yeah. Okay, that see that would interest me with all the COVID stuff happening. So well, we it's <laughs> part of our journey. So I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's. I've a probably lot. been on his plane too. I, I, t- I tend to fly Delta most of the time okay. out of here. Yeah, yeah. could be. Could and, be. And Connor, he travels a lot. Fifty yeah, percent <laughs> like of the a time. A ton. <laughs> uh, so, but anyway, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, there's yeah, so the no, no, no. <laughs> just to start it off. There is so much to unpack. Um, but before we do that, let's just let me just ask how. So you ran, okay? Yes. Charlotte City Council. How on earth did that even happen? You're a physician's assistant, mm-hmm. and then you ran. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Tell us. Tell us the story. Yeah. Well, I'll kind of just go back to the to the air quotes that you said about politician because yeah. I really don't look at myself as a politician. I actually hate the word even in the same sentence. We'll bleep it out in the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine, but it's basically to kind of say there, though, um, is that when, well, I'll have to start back from the original um, thought, was during the Brett Kavanaugh um, trials, Mm. that's actually when I got into politics. I ran away from politics my whole life. I really just thought it was a subject that was really, to be honest, quite boring. And and a lot of that was because I didn't know it. I didn't take time to investigate into it. I didn't take time to learn. Um, and so I just kind of steered away from it. But I thought everyone that talked about politics were so much smarter than I. And they're just like on this different level. And so I kind of just stayed away from it, um, mostly for insecurities. But anyways, uh, with, the, with the Brett Kavanaugh, I just fell hard into politics. I was looking at every video. I was looking at people analyzing the, you know, the different sessions. And, you know, from there, kind of snowballed. Um, so that brings us, you know, up to earlier this year, um, and maybe even a little bit part of last year, I felt the Lord kind of call me to do more public speaking. Um, and if you know me, <laughs> I hate public speaking. Um, I shied away from public speaking and literally same thing with politics, ran the other direction, hated it, hated mm-hmm. it. Um, I would get cold sweats. I, even the thought of it made me so nervous. So 
when the Lord was telling me to do that, I was like, okay, I thought it was in the medical realm. So I actually applied to my old alma mater, Gardner Webb, because they started a PA program. And I was like, hey, I'd really love to come and teach on functional medicine if you're willing to do it. So, so I emailed, didn't hear anything back from them. I kind of just let it die because there's a lot of things that were happening in life, uh, you know, with a young one was really complicated and busy and sure my husband's gone four or five days out of the week so you add that on top of it so I just got a little distracted um but I thought about it more and more about two months before someone had asked me to run I was like okay I need to do more public speaking I need to kind of reach out to different avenues Mm -hmm. and then about six weeks before someone asked me to run I had this conversation with my husband we were doing laundry in the bedroom and just you know doing our loads of laundry um and that's always a really good time for us to talk <laughs> i know it's kind of sounds silly but when you have such limited time and you're trying to get all this stuff done it's you know it's that one time where you're doing something mindless and you mm-hmm. can just easily talk so i do recommend it if you haven't done it <laughs> we recommend laundry and communication laundry in your communication. marriage um so so I just said to my husband very flippantly, and I said, you know, maybe I just need to run. They say, if you want to see the changes, you need to start locally. Mm-hmm. And so that was, a, again, a very flippant comment. Um, bring it forward about six weeks. Um, after that, I had a friend ask me, and they're like, hey, I can't run. I'm not affiliated, um, but I think you should run. And I, I thought about it for a second, and I was like, okay, you know, let me think about it. And she's like, well, here's the deal. The filing's in two days. Oh, so I was like, okay. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to, I'm going to set you up with talking to my friend, Charlie, um, who ends up being Charlie Mulligan, who was one of the per- people I, I used I to go with. to, I used to go to a church with his, with his family okay. um, and his mom, when she was alive, she used to teach at our, our co-op. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So I did end up voting for him, by the way, cause I knew him and I was like, Charlie, I know Charlie. I know <laughs> Charlie. I know that guy. <laughs> Seemed pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's cool. Um, so anyway, so sh- when she asked me to run, you know, this is in a moment in our, in our lives that we were not thinking about it at all. Um, we literally had, um, plans to expand out a garden in our house and, get some chickens. And that's a great, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great plan. Yeah, it, was just, it was just sort of like, okay, let's, you know, look at these things. So she asked me and then the next day I, I texted Charlie and Charlie's like, Hey, tell me about yourself. You know, where you stand on things. You know, it was a very quick conversation. And then, she, and then he actually had me talk to Kyle, who's Kyle Lupke, who I also ran with. And then sure enough, I guess I made the, the passing grade for both of them. And so <laughs> then they transferred me over to Tark. And it was Tark Bakari who um, kind of created this slate um, of all the candidates that we ran with, uh, you know, this this past election. So I talked with all of them. I'm literally in the garden. My husband, unfortunately, (laughs) he was doing all the work expanding out our garden that I said I would help him with. (laughs) And and he's just like, okay, just take the phone call, take the phone call, whatever. Um, And I was talking to all of them. and, And every time we were talking to them, we were just sort of pacing the garden, pacing our yard you know, trying to pray about, you know, is this something we should do? What should we do here? You know, try to get a little bit insight from the Lord on, you know, guidance, Mm -hmm. really. And so I did all these conversations and we were just talking about some of the hesitancies that we had um, that would keep us from wanting to run. Part of it was expanding out our family, you know, the the fear of public speaking, my job, you know, Mm -hmm. how would this look? You know, we've never thought of even doing any of this. And this was just jumping into the deep end. Um, so anyways, we prayed about it and I told my husband, I said, you know, 
I don't have a firm yes from the Lord. I don't have a firm no from the Lord. But I do think that if I don't do this, I'll regret it. Mm. And so he's like, okay. He's like, let's do it. And it was so important that he was on my side because there is no way, no way I would have been able to do it without him. Um, and t- to have that full support of your spouse doing this. Um, and th- we can talk a little bit more about that too, if you want to. But um, so with that, I literally made a decision in 24 hours. And then day two, I was talking in front of seven news crews and making a speech and filed. Wow. <laughs> That's quite the decision to make in less than 48 hours. Yeah, yeah it was. That is insane. Yeah. That is absolutely <laughs> insane. Um, so, okay. So you, you made this decision. You're like, okay, I'm going to run. It's in 20, 24 hours to make a decision. I'm going to run. Um, kind of talk to us a little bit just about the challenges. Uh, not just, I guess, th- you, you talked a little bit about your personal challenges. Uh, talk a little bit about, I guess, the landscape challenges, about the, the challenges of, of seeing, like, okay, who do we have in our area? How do we get them to vote? Just talk a little bit about kind of that that challenging aspect of campaigning. Well, um, you know, the whole aspect of campaigning was such a new realm, just a whole new realm, new world for me. And um, Charlie and Kyle and Tark, thankfully, um, when they started this late, they had a lot more experience into it. Tark, mm-hmm. you know, was running for his third term. Charlie and Kyle were both new with me. Um, and then the other candidate um, that we ran with, David Merrill, who also was a new candidate. All of us were new candidates on the slate, which just to kind of talk about that, just to kind of reiterate, it was Charlie Mulligan, Kyle Lukey, David Merrill, myself, all running for at-large positions, so the entire city. And then you had um, also on the slate um, Ed Driggs, who later really kind of came off the slate because he was uncontested in District 7. Um, districts, uh, District 6 was Tark. And then we had District 2 and District 3 were um, Mary Barnett in District 2 and then James Bauer in District 3. Okay. And then as mayor, we had Stephanie Dear Saratago Bilbao. Um, and I might have just goofed up her name and she'll... Um, she'll, <laughs> she'll come understand. at you later. Yeah, well, <laughs> she'll understand. Um, but uh, anyway, so so we had this team that was really um, started and, and working together. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us were navigating this as we were going along um, because we didn't know, I would say probably 50%. But we had um, some people that were trying to lead us through it, um, lead okay. us through either um, s- some of the some of the conversations through news, whether that be also on forums that we were talking about. Um, but in terms of us as at-larges, we really had a very different sort of campaign um, comparative to the districts because we had the entire city. Mm. And, you know, so with that, we didn't, our, in that's like 900,000 people mm. plus that's that we had to deal with. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so hitting all these points too. So we really because we only had four months, you know, this was a summer election. It was off season. It was a municipal only election. We really had to be very strategic in what we were doing. Mm-hmm. We couldn't hit all of the city, even though we really wanted to and, and tried to, to a degree. We, we even split up the four of us, split up various parts of the city to try to hit, whether that be with door knocking, talking to people, going to neighborhood meetings. Um, that was kind of our strategy. And so mm-hmm. that's very different than I think some other people might've done their campaign because mostly people are doing this solo. You know, this was the first time that a slate in Charlotte was done, at least to my knowledge. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. 
And so, not know that. yeah. And so, and so that we just worked a little bit, um, differently and, and obviously hindsight, you would do things differently for sure. Right. right. Um, yeah. but this was our journey that we did. And so we were just trying to attend as much as we could. And, you know, th- the stats were coming out more so right after the, the primary, you know, cause it did include a Senate primary was that, so the majority of the, of our County and our city was unaffiliated. Um, and then there was underneath that Democrats and then underneath that were Republicans. So this might be a dumb question. We're going to ask it. So what is, what does it mean when they're unaffiliated, unaffiliated? I know that means like, okay, they haven't registered either way or like they, we don't know what they are essentially. Yeah. Um, so unaffiliated is basically not claiming Democrat, independent or Republican. Okay. However, what's kind of unique about it is that if you are unaffiliated, you can actually choose to vote in which primary you want to be in. So you can choose to be in Democrat, you can choose to be in Republican, you can't do both. You know, it's not a, you get everyone and you pick who it is. You have to choose for your primary. And then obviously in the general election, it's it's just like everyone else. Okay. Um, so, you know, and, and, and the landscape of the unaffiliated is really a mixed bag because there are unaffiliateds who did not want to be associated with the Republican Party, whether they didn't want to because of Trump or whether they didn't want to because they became a little bit more moderate and didn't feel like that and mm-hmm. didn't hold all the views of the Republican Party. But you also saw that on the Democratic side. And honestly, I think we saw more of the change happen from the Democratic side. More people left the Democratic Party and they're like, well, I'm not Republican and I'm not independent. I'm just going to be over here. Right. You know, and and then I'll just choose a, a lot of what I was hearing based on the person. You know, and, and I think that's really what you should do. Um, although a lot of us tend to tend to vote on a party side and for very, you know, for obvious reasons, you know, they tend to keep your values the way you want to mm-hmm. on either yeah. side. Um, but a lot of the Democrats had, had left to go to the unaffiliated. Um, and, and again, you also saw cross parties too. Some people left from Republican people to Democrat switched, yeah. and, and vice versa. There was a kind of like Liz Cheney or yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she still claims to be a Republican. Yes, so yeah. uh, she does. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there was actually a stat and I don't remember the stats offhand. It would be something good to kind of bring up though, but they did actually publish, um, the, the party switches that happened in the state. Oh and, really? I, and they actually did okay. it in Denver County. I think it was posted uh, maybe four or six weeks ago. Um, Who and posted I don't, it? Yeah, I can't remember. I you, the amount of articles and things I've <laughs> I we believe I've, it. I've, re- I've read over the last several months is kind of insane. So I don't remember, but I do remember. I want to say it was on maybe one of the news sites that okay. might have done it. I can try looking for it right now. But I am curious. The what is the what does it mean to have to run at large? So at large is the entire city. Okay. Yeah. So we don't have a specific district. It's Mm -hmm. every district. So there's in Charlotte, there's seven city council districts. Um, There's six, I believe there's six county districts. Mm -hmm. And then the school board, there's six. um, And they all have different boundaries. And (laughs) it's all confusing. Wow. And yeah, not to mention the 200 plus precincts, which are, you know, obviously like the little Mm. areas in the actual district that we have. So you have the at-large, the whole city, you have each district, which is split, okay. and then you have the precincts, which are the little ones. So think about it as the districts are the states, and the precincts are the counties. Gotcha. Wow. That is I can see that confusing. getting pretty complicated. Yeah. And it's not even like it starts from like one, two, three, four, five, six. It, it's, you know, because Charlotte has grown, and, right. and the city of Charlotte has taken over various aspects more and more and more. So the precincts have all been, it's all 
There's no there's no rhyme or reason there's to no it. There's no rhyme or reason, at least none that I've figured out. And 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 maybe the city manager is a better person to ask that question <laughs> to his <laughs> oh historical dear. aspects. But you know, the boundaries also get re- redefined. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're seeing a lot. Um, has happened in a lot of arguments that we're seeing that it's been more in favor of the Democratic Party. And I think, unfortunately, it tends to, um, you know, this is my this is my theory. I don't know where this is actually accurate. Um, but, you know, whatever party tends to be in power, they tend to redistrict the lines, I think, to kind of favor them, whether they say it's that way or not. Yeah. Um, I think you kind of see a little bit of um, that favoritism in, in that direction. And so we do see a little bit of that here. And, and, and really coming into this, uh, November election, we actually have a new district that has been completely created in North Carolina called District 14. Um, okay. So, so, who's, it, so who's it created by? The people who are, are Democrats, or is it just an overall consensus yeah, that we it's need to an, make? Yeah, it's an overall di- district. Correct. Yeah, I don't know uh, exactly who is in charge of creating all of the districts. Um, I don't actu- I don't know the answer, but they have created this new District 14. Um, it's, it's more so South Park. It goes into Gastonia, okay. yeah. that mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. area. Um, and the guy that's running for it on the Republican side is really, really uh, just a good guy, really cool guy. Um, yeah. So definitely recommend him yes. <laughs> for this upcoming election. Yes. Yeah, his yes. name is Pat Harrigan um, and a wonderful family and just, uh, you know, really good guy. Yeah. No, we love, we love to hear it. We, love, we, want, we want good people uh, running. Uh, we don't seem to have as many of them, but we're happy that, that you ran. Well, I'm actually going to argue that point because I think there's more and more people stepping up to the plate mm-hmm. and actually running. I think yeah. there's a lot of people that didn't want to be politicians, never thought to be politicians. Even one of um, the um, North Carolina Senate um, candidates is actually a cardiologist, Cheryl Russo, who's running in okay. November huh. for the state. And um, so it was nice to really have another medical person kind of in, in this situation with us. Um, but... I am finding more and more people who are just standing up and are just like, no more. They, they're fighting for their kids. They're fighting for their city. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's been really, really cool to meet these candidates and actually see th- from this point of view too, not yeah. only just running, yeah. but then also getting to meet these candidates that I have along this way yeah. um, and being able to support them in the future. And that goes all from school boards to the U S Congress um, and then even more of the local ones. So, yeah. And I guess there is not I enough, so but, n- but yeah, more. no, no, no. I, and I guess I got a little pessimistic because <laughs> we've had, we've had some fun stuff happening the past yeah. uh, week or so. And so mm. just like, where I'm like, where is like, we have, that's the thing that, and I, I agree with you by the way, um, maybe I should, I should kind of expand my idea and say, okay, we have all these good people that are running, right? And so you ran, um, you know, Charlie ran, but we don't have the the people that say that they really care about these issues coming out to vote. If, if, and that's and that's what really gets me is like when we were trying to do some activism stuff, and we don't get super involved in this all the time. This is probably our mm-hmm. first time doing this because we're passionate about certain issues. But trying to get people to it, it seemed a little bit challenging. Um, and part of me was thinking, man, if we had just if we had just gotten people out to vote <laughs> in the yeah. summer, maybe yeah. this wouldn't have been um, as big of an issue. But one question, and then I'm gonna hand it over to Connor here. Um, so when you have city council, what, I guess, for lack of a better term, what power do you have? Like, if you get, say, you know, you get Republicans in the city council, what exactly does that look like? What change can that actually bring um, on a smaller level? Yeah, so for the city council and what we did for the campaign, so just to clarify, so 
the main kind of four areas that city council is in charge of is transportation, public safety, utilities, and now I'm forgetting the fourth one. I always do this. It's okay. <laughs> it will come back to me. It's okay. Um, three is good. Yeah. So, uh, oh, right, transportation, public safety, zoning, um, and utilities. And okay. so, or housing, housing, zoning, all of those. Right. So obviously huge aspects to the city. And, and one kind of point before I forget it, um, kind of in conversation is why municipal and local elections are so important um, is, you know, we focus so much on national and we're like, okay, this affects us, the president. Yeah, that's all very, very true. But I think someone read me a stat and so I can't cite the stat, but um, to its effect, 80% of what we do in our daily lives is actually affected by local politics. You Mm -hmm. think about it, our housing, property taxes, you know, the transportation, our roadways, um, you know, zoning in terms of like, how is the house next to you going to be built? And unfortunately in this city, we've ruled out single family zoning with, um, with the current city council, which we can talk about. Um, and, and, and so much more and water and all that. Mm -hmm. So it's huge. It's plays such a factor. And a lot of people aren't aware of that. Um, so, so anyways, those are the four kind of main areas that city council does. And obviously there's things around the city, um, you know, like the, uh, the local arts festival and, and things that they approve that happen in the, in the parks and, and so forth. Um, although that might be more County too, but, um, you know, why a Republican base was actually really important, um, or at least a little bit more favoring in the Republican base, particularly for this season, was the passing of the UDO. And the UDO is the Unified Development Ordinance. Um, and with that, there's a lot of really good things about the UDO. It's, mm-hmm. it's basically trying to set up, I don't know, are you guys aware of the 2040 plan that happened, the Comprehensive 2040 plan? Nope, nope. didn't so hear about it. you get to tell kay. us all about it. <laughs> um, so the 2040 plan was essentially what this current, um, I'll say administration, for lack of a better word, or, or current council um, set up to kind of foresee the city in the next, you know, 10, 15 years. I'm mm-hmm. curious, do they uh, include to expand any of our roads in that amount of time? Well, I think it's all, yeah, it's... it's. I have a problem with them and, the <laughs> and their roads here. Um, you know... One of the things that is actually really kind of upsetting is a lot of the East Charlotte and the far East mm-hmm. uh, part of Charlotte actually really didn't have a lot of infrastructure in the 2040 plan or the UDO. And that was a, they, they actually brought that up and really upset about it because in the 2040 plan, they really um, were harping on 10 minute neighborhoods. You, you know, 10 minute walk neighborhoods, you can get to a grocery, you can go to okay. um, Medicare or Medicaid physician or physician in general, mm-hmm. like certain, ac- you know, accessibility points um, for the city. And, and in the Far East, they really didn't have that. They're like, how are we supposed to get these 10 minute neighborhoods if you can't even bring out the things that we need to do, you know, or uh, the roads or businesses. And uh, um, unfortunately, it is a neglected part of our city because a lot of even companies don't want to go out there and build. Um, for various reasons, you know, it's just too far out there or whatever, whatever the reason is. But um, the 2040 plan was that vision. And the UDO, which is, uh, mind you, like 680 pages <laughs> yeah, Gosh. of a very technical work. It's it, Unless you're an architect, I don't, you know, uh, the first 30, 50, maybe 100 pages. Um, it's just very technical. It's very, it's planning oriented. So you have to have like a, you know, kind of understand that world. And, and it's literally just setting us up for how are we going to implement this 2040 plan? And so um, one of the reasons why it was so crucial to get a Republican in was because we were all in agreement that we needed to stop this. Mm-hmm. We needed to stop the approval, the final draft approval of the UDO. Um, the, two, the, the one major issue that was a part of that was ruling out single-family zoning. 
So if you think about it, they're trying to, I, I see the intention of it. And, and actually the whole Republican um, candidate slate talked in front of city council against the UDO mm-hmm. against, it, and it's not saying, Hey, this is not a, a terrible document in of itself. I mean, this was almost, I think five or s- maybe seven years of planning work um, from the team that did it. But this, that single family zoning, they were trying to sort of, undo the housing crisis that's so big in Charlotte. That's the n- that was probably the number one issue that we came across. Okay. Um, okay. Tra- and transportation is probably right underneath that. There is a housing crisis in Charlotte, mm-hmm. um, yep. and they were trying to rectify that by not having to get inundated, too. I mean, this is maybe, I claim it was a little bit on a selfish reason um, to just not hear all the zonings that they had to deal with, you know, because sometimes they'd be there till 11, 12 o'clock at night listening to zonings and everyone that was coming before council. And so... Um, they just eliminated all of that. So zoning's out of, out the door. You can do a, a duplex, triplex, quadruplex. I was, was going to ask you to to make sure we define single family zoning. That's yeah. housing. So housing. you're talking there. So everything yeah. that they were doing is geared towards townhomes, apartments. Yeah. Like I said, duplexes, triplexes. Yeah. Um, trying to think if there's anything else in there. I know townhomes and apartments would pretty much cover it. Yeah, or condos. I condos, guess, yeah. Um, condos yeah. would be in there as yeah. well. Yeah, and so they're allowed to just build it. So, you know, your neighbor, they can knock down the house and they can build whatever they want. Um, I'm sure there's some limitations to a degree, but for the most part, that's really what it is. And so in various parts of the city, um, that's really going to take away the, char- the character, um, some of the yeah. aesthetic, which I know sounds, you know, secondary to people living in homes but at the same point these people live in these areas and buy into these particular neighborhoods because of those reasons and not to mention it it adds into congestion and traffic and for sure potentially crime and that was like kind of the big argument was this could elevate crime and particularly in a area where we don't have enough police officers in the city i'm surprised they're going for something like that after new york city just watched a bunch of their population just leave because of the lockdowns that they had when they realized we are just people on top of people on top of people. And it was just so congested and so compressed with the population that you just really couldn't get away from each other. I'm surprised that they would, they would go into a step. They would basically do, do something similar instead of spreading out more. Yeah, I think there was a couple UDOs that did happen in other states. I don't um, recall how well they did. I don't feel that they, I, I think they were more newly implemented. And, mm-hmm. the, and the argument is, okay, let's see how they do. Let's see some of the long-term effects of how they implemented their UDO and, and whether or not it's successful. Um, one of the things I actually brought before council was in the journal um, or magazine Cities. And they actually did a study in Charlotte. Um, in 2020, so during the pandemic, about um, gentrification and how that would look in the city of Charlotte. And I read Mm -hmm. that article before them. And the biggest part of that was saying is without anti-gentrification strategies, by adding more housing and by adding kind of this, um, you know, sort of unchecked um, housing um, building that we're doing that it's going to lead to gentrification. And that was a lot of our argument from the Republican side was that gentrification can happen. Um, yes. and we've already seen it happen. Um, and so by, d- by ruling out the single family zoning, there's no checks and balances. And unfortunately it will happen because what they'll do is they'll buy the cheap land mm-hmm. and that will push out lower income families. Um, and they'll build up, you know, bigger places where 
they'll charge more and you know, those, the rent will just get higher. And so who ends up being able to be there? People that can afford it. Right. And so it just pushes people further out away from the resources and away from housing that they were able to afford once before. Yeah, and it's pushing people out to where transportation is not readily available. So Correct. if they Correct. if they only if a family only owns one car, and they've got two people working, then you, you're going to have transportation issues. You got to get the you got to get the kids to school, assuming the bus can't pick them up. Um, oh, the bus even shows up. Yeah, that's if the, the bus even shows Charlotte. up because that's going to be part of it. Yeah, they're they're missing a lot of uh, they're yeah. missing a lot of workers that they need. Yeah, they they're looking at A and they're looking at the endpoint of like let's say G and but they totally are forgetting the letters in between. They're not looking at how do these things all line up. How does one thing you know um, consistently affect another? Mm-hmm. It, it's I can't say they haven't looked at it because I haven't had the conversation with the with the planner itself. But I feel like in city council, um, outside of maybe Edrigs and uh, Tark Bakari. I don't see how the other ones were, they were looking at this as, and this is unfortunate when you get activists and, and social justice, you know, uh, people um, in there, then that tends to be what you see and, and not everything gets uh, really thought out well. I mean, even even a um, Democrat on the on city council who's an engineer was not for the UDL. Right. So that says something. I mean, she's she's of the same party. It was a six-five vote mm-hmm. um, in the original UDO, and um, it just got passed. Um, I think a little bit six-four, and that's because one of the people was on virtual, and so her vote didn't count. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, it would have been six-five again. And I'm like, why are we doing a six-five UDO? Why aren't we having like an eight-three or a ten-one? Like, why why aren't we all in a majority that this is good for the city and not a split where it's it wasn't necessarily a party split, but um, because right now um, the city council is actually made up of a nine-two majority, Democrat to Republican. So it it definitely was a, a cross part, you know, mixed party. But it's still six-five. I mean, that's that's poor. I think. Yeah. And, w- and with, a, I think I'm seeing this a lot. Is a lot of these like future plans we just saw it in California, where they want by 2035, they don't want to be selling any more gas vehicles. They don't have the infrastructure right now for their electric grid to support the state. They've been doing rolling blackouts for the last month at this point. And then you have news from telling people that don't charge your cars today. Make sure your thermostats are at 78 or 80 degrees. And just all these ridiculous things. And they Except his is probably still at 69. Oh, it was. He made the announcement in like sure. a long sleeve uh, sweatshirt. And it was just like, it must be nice and chilly wherever you're making this announcement from. But they want to do that in you know just a little over 10 years from now and they're supposedly going to fix the infrastructure before they start making all new vehicles electric uh it was just to me it just doesn't make if they were told if they were going to tell me like hey, you know, but by 2035 we want the infrastructure so that we can start phasing these cars out that would make sense to me but they're phasing them out now and charlotte kind of reminds me of austin texas where it's like it just imp- just exploded with growth but the way that they're planning things out, it's just going to collapse back in on itself mm-hmm. and create, honestly, probably an awful city to live in if that's what's going to happen. Um, and a lot of it, like from what I'm hearing from you, is that they're they're planning out the housing. I don't see much that they're doing with the roads or have yeah. heard much. And even right here where you drove to get to our, uh, to get to our studio here, uh, this road, ever since I moved here in like 2015, gets backed up for miles in the mornings and evenings. It's true. Yep. And they just dropped not only this set of townhomes, but 
they're doing like a Birkdale style park, just ac- actually across from us. And I saw even a little bit further down. There's a lot of they've growth, got another set building here. You go further down. There's another set of apartments and condos, and the rest of the farmland around here has been largely turning into more townhomes, apartments, and condos. I'm like, this is like one to two cars. Some of our neighbors have like three or four cars. And I just, I don't know what's going to happen to this part of the road because the only other option is driving up through like Lake Norman State Park. And that's yeah. a long way around. Yeah, And it's and it's, it's been the same thing on my side of town because he and I were about 45, 40, 45 minutes away from each other. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing where yeah. they've taken away all the, all the farmland is so gone. Yeah, it's like that they're putting in the housing first and then they think they're going to figure the roads out is what I've been observing of sh- the city of Charlotte for years. Yeah. And I, I only say this because the, where I grew up and lived was Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. And for years, our complaint was they're always building roads. There's always construction. One day there's a highway to get somewhere. And the next day there's not a highway. <laughs> Their stuff was just always changing. And But now that they've kind of like grown into it, it now it makes sense. I'm like, okay, now you guys actually have a good road system, you know, and not everything is under construction all the time. Yeah. They still have it going. Like they're still building and expanding, but they're, they're building the city out a long ways I and mean, a lot of other cities seem to copy New York and they just kind of condense it and stack up and then you start building out. But I think it's, that's sad to hear that it's, that that's what they're choosing for the house zoning. Yeah. Um, and to your point, I mean, even where I live, I'm, I don't know how far I am from you, but I'm kind of South Charlotte, almost Pineville area. I mean, there's no places to really build the roads. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's done. What's, what is done. And, th- and it's almost like they're like, well, we can't do anything with the roads, but we need housing. So let's just throw it on there and people will deal. Like it, it's, I'm not saying that that's how they're thinking, but it's, it seems to, it seems, it to looks that way. way. It looks that <laughs> way. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I commute back and forth on 51, um, cause I live, let's say over by Pineville and then I work in Matthews. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, the, can the, thankfully I kind of leave uh, i know when to leave now because then right. i just get school traffic mm-hmm. and i hit three or four schools all along the way and it's just <laughs> you know there's no way to um all, all these parents are trying to turn off into their school and they're literally taking up one whole lane um, of a two-lane road to just because that's getting backed up at school right so just you know it's i think 485 is probably the best road charlotte's done around here that's the only one i think that i don't hit consistent traffic on Highway wise, forty. Highway wise, is yeah, definitely the best. Eighty-five, seventy-seven. You'll avoid it's at all times. Yeah, yeah. Forty-five and more seventy-seven. We need are a little. That can be a little, little, little rough. Yeah, I think even to get here, like you have to. They have all these lanes that end, like you know, within five hundred feet. It's like okay, these three lanes end in oh, I don't know, half a mile. So uh, good luck to you. (laughs) That's kind of what it feels like. It feels like a game every time I I drive over here. Like, let's see how easily I can get over to lanes. Um, But there was something that you said that was interesting where you kind of talked about how uh, there are some people, um, I guess in this case would be, be Democrats because they seem like they're the majority in the city council where they have this end goal, but they don't look at all the stuff that's in between. And I feel like it's kind of is a good representation of kind of what happens like in politics as a whole, where um, you have people that are like, well, I want to uh, eliminate poverty. All right. You can never eliminate poverty. Jesus says the poor will always be among you, but we can help try. Okay. But they're like, eliminate poverty. And so they make all these, try to make all these changes that actually don't help in the long run, but they think that they're actually genuinely going to help. I feel like you have a lot of people 
um, at least the ones that I talk to and just kind of the feel that I get from more millennials that are, I would say that they're Democrat to, to leftist. And I kind of try to make a distinction between those two where I think they have a genuine heart to do the right thing on the, on the ground. I, I think there's politicians far up there that have very sinister motives <laughs> and they know exactly what they're doing. Um, but there's a lot of people like, yeah, we're going to vote for this person because this is good and this is the change that we want. It's going to help people. And it doesn't. And so they kind of ignore all the in-between and they run off their emotions supposed to like, okay, well, let's take a look at the facts. Like I can appreciate the Democratic engineer that was like, hey, I've read this. I don't think that this is going to be a good idea, right? Like, I can appreciate that. Like, yeah. that's not that's not an issue to me. That's good. That means that, you know, you're thinking it through. And I feel like that's just what happens in, in local politics or in politics in general all the time, especially with people that are, are my age. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if you find the same, but... I think you can, you have your uh, people throughout all different age groups, so I don't want to <laughs> stick it to one. To I feel one, like I know, um, I feel like I know millennials yeah. the best, so I yeah. try not to speak for, yeah, <laughs> for the other hard. ones. Um, yeah, because I'm, I'm part of the, the eighties and so I'm in that millennial range, but okay. I'm at the very tail end of it. So I always call us like the lost kids because <laughs> we were the, you know, the last generation that had, um, inter- before internet, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, grew up, you know, still having a do an actual landline and, and, and things like that. And so, yeah, so I call us the lost kids cause I really don't claim myself to be a millennial. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> means, That's but fair. Yeah. But yeah, no, I know how that feels cause I'm 29. So I've got a few years on Jordan. Here. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm 20, 24, yeah. uh, I'm 38, 38. I would have, yeah. I wouldn't have guessed. I think you look great. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, but Connor has an article uh, pulled up here. Yeah. I don't know if this is the one that you read, but according to the Carolina journal, more than 40,000 North Carolina voters changed their political parties this year. Yeah, that was it. Now, in comparison, I saw a couple articles while I was looking this up. 2021, it was like 5,000. Yeah, no, the Carolina Journal, um, I actually did an interview with her, with one of the um, writers. I don't remember if it was the editor or the writer, because um, they were doing a little bit of a piece on us mm-hmm. um, as the whole slate. And um, so, I, so I actually have followed them a little bit more since then. I think they're I don't know how long they've been around, but maybe fairly new, but I feel like they're, they do a really good job. And, and I believe it was this article that you just pulled up. Yeah. Cause I think it bullet points that 20,000 registered Democrats changed their affiliation in 22 mm-hmm. and a quarter of them become re- Republicans and the other half became unaffiliated yeah. and unaffiliated group is now the largest in the North, in the North Carolina electorate, which is crazy to me. So you're talking over yeah. uh, 2,500,000 voters yeah, that are crazy. unaffiliated. Yeah, and I didn't know it was for the entire state. I, I knew for sure Mecklenburg County, um, but I think after reading that, I realized it was North Carolina as a whole, um, but not before that. It so seems that like a lot of people are politically homeless these days. Yeah, um, I mean, unfortunately, there's issues on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms mm-hmm. of the people that are representing it. Um, and so the platform in of itself, if you look at it, um, you know, I agree with a lot of the Republican platform, but I don't agree with a lot of the Republican people. Sure. Yeah. And so unfortunately, I think we don't know that not everyone's going to delve into the Republican, you know, platform that has like 60 points or, you know, plus on it. And I didn't honestly do that until I was asked, you know, do you agree with the Republican Party? That was actually one of the questions I got for either the server or something (laughs) like that. And I just and I was so new to this and I like had no idea what to answer. And I just put not at this time. Because as a as the party, I didn't necessarily disagree with it. And and 
I didn't have time to go over each and every point and really, f- I had to, I had to do a lot of very quick thinking, very, very fast and right. quick decisions, very, sure. very fast. So I kind of kept it very general and I just said, not at this time. Now to answer that question now would be a little bit differently. And, and I actually had a voter uh, come to me on election day and this is, I'll try to make this a really kind of quick story, but it was really interesting was, um, they actually said that they did not like my answer to that question. It was a democratic voter and mm-hmm. I don't think they would have voted for me regardless. Um, and he was being a little bit rude, uh, to be quite honest. And, and, um, his wife made, made him ap- uh, apologize to me later. It's a good wife. But, but they just said that they didn't like the answer to that question. And I sp- explained to them, um, I said, I don't think either side had, I think there's bad people on both sides. I said, but there's good people on both sides or well-intentioned people on both sides. Mm -hmm. I said, I don't agree with all Republicans, but I do agree with um, aspects of the platform. And so, and she's like, oh, well, that makes me feel better. Like, I like that. And um, so I, you know, I know kind of a little bit ways of how to answer things before when this was all very early on. Yeah. Um, But yeah. So when, uh, what's the time frame on that, that you were asked that question? So that was actually one of the first so this was for the primary. That question was asked mm-hmm. for the primary. I think it was for the observer. Um, and for the general, they actually didn't ask me that question again, but they used the same answer. Mm, so they okay. only asked me two separate questions for the general. And I guess they reused all of my other answers for the primary. So I didn't get to change my answers. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of was a little annoyed, but I mean, I can't do it. Yeah, nothing. I could have emailed him and said, hey, this is my new answer for this. I could have done that. Um, yeah, but you didn't know they were going to renew it. I didn't. Um, so maybe to a fault of mine, um, that was not, <laughs> I guess I could have looked at this as all very constructive criticism and, and sort of bettered myself in all of this. But but I could have looked at all of my answers and all of my interviews and, mm-hmm. and you know forums and things like that. But I actually didn't. I, d- I didn't look at any of it because I'm so petrified of public speaking and being so hard <laughs> on myself yeah, yeah. that I couldn't. And so I actually didn't know about it until um, someone else brought it up to me. And so so I actually knew about it and maybe a week or two before I met that voter. Okay. Or that potential voter, yeah. 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 Oh, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, so, so after all of this, do you think you will run again for the same position or do you think you'll try for something else? So I know everyone tries to be elusive and like not really say if they're going to run or not. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll be very honest. Um, so I will not run for city council again. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that I think there are better candidates for the district um, that I ran with on the slate that I think have full intentions of writing for my district that I don't feel to run for it. The thing I was really passionate about on city council was public safety because that that hits every facet of our life. Being right. a mom, mm-hmm. you know, running on the trails, on the greenways, just going out in daily life, our police officers who I think are such an important part of our city. So uh, public safety was probably the biggest one, but I'm not a transport rider. You know, I, I do go, mm-hmm. obviously I travel back and forth in my own car, but I'm not a bus rider and I didn't really know about all the zonings and outside of Charlotte water, which I do don't agree with some of the things with Charlotte Water. Overall, Charlotte Water is actually run pretty well and they do a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. That's actually not one thing we have to deal with. Now, stormwater, wastewater, that could be a different topic, but outside of uh, some of the agents that they use in the Charlotte Water, it's not so big of a deal. So, and I mean, if you looked about, if you even 
looked at everyone's interview for the city council election, no one talked about Charlotte Water. Because <laughs> it just was one. a non-issue. It was a non-issue. Yeah. It was public safety, housing, mm-hmm. transportation. Yep. Those were the big sure. three. Gotcha. So, and, and that's the, because those were the most important to Democratic voters and obviously left-leaning, unaffiliated voters. So that's, that. those are the things that we really touched on. But for me, um, you know, I did an interview actually with an elementary school and they were able to ask us questions, myself and David Merrill, we, d- we did this. And my answer was school board. And I actually think that's very true, that I actually would do school board. Um, and I've actually talked to a couple of different district candidates. So, so what's going on right now for the midterms in November is that the districts for school board are actually running. At-larges are actually next year. Mm, so okay. I might look at that. Um, I'm part of Moms for Liberty and Moms for America and a couple of different things um, since then. And since I, since kind of running with the campaign and, and seeing their fight and I want to join them, you know, and, and sort of have parental yeah. control over <laughs> their own child um, and not being inundated with all this other stuff that they're trying to push in the school systems. But either that or the county, because obviously the county deals a lot with public health um, and things like that and, and parks and, and I love the parks. And so it just, county seems to be much more sort of who I am as a person and, and more things I deal with mm-hmm. and more of my passions than, uh, city was. It just happened to be that, you know, I was asked to run for city council. I was there to sort of step up to the plate and run. And, and I learned a lot. I don't regret it at all. I think the Lord, you know, he, he had me run and I said, okay, Lord, I'm gonna put the yes on the table. And he didn't promise me a win. What he did promise me was that he was going to carry me through it, and mm-hmm. that he did. So I don't regret running for city council, but I don't think I would run for it again. And, and my husband actually is like, you're not running for city council. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, He's it seemed like it was an interesting and like valuable experience. Oh, absolutely. Um, but as you're talking and as I'm kind of getting to know you a bit more, I think about like a school board, and that's like a, that's a major yes. So when I think of you, yeah. I'm like, that would be good because you know a lot about, I mean, you're a physician's assistant, so there's a little bit of understanding of like, yeah. hey, you know, like parental consent, you know, you're, you know, you can't just do all this stuff to kids yeah. without, well, without telling them and yeah. without telling parents yeah. what's going on. And I think it would have lended itself really well because even though I, I don't have a, you know, an experience in teaching and, and my daughter's too, and so not through the school board system at all, but how much did we deal with the school board system with maskings and vaccinations oh so and, all and all of thing. that? And yeah. they, and I just, I'm like, you know, being a physician assistant or being anywhere in medical and running in politics, there's such a diversity of where you could really go and run. I mean, we have a couple medical people in our, in our Congress, you know, Rand Paul and Ben Carson and, yeah. and, and various yep. others. And so, and I think they make great um, politicians. And so I think, you know, not necessarily. Agree and with Dr. Them Fauci, and you can't forget about Dr. Fauci. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, he's, he's not political. He's at not. All. He's, he's not. political. Yeah. Well, he's not a uh, voted in political person. That's like, yeah. Right. He has a lot of power, though. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, I think not again, not that I agree with either of them to, to the full extent, but I do think they they think of things a little bit differently and outside the box. And mm-hmm. and especially with school board and some of these pandemics, I think it would have really lended itself to have a medical person on board and being like, hey, let's look at the stats. Let's look at the science. Where are we here with all of this? And, you know, something they didn't do. They say they yeah, might Yeah, I think I was hearing the ACLU just released a study that masks only reduce transmission by like 1%. I got. I got to pull it up because that's that's what I was I hearing on a different know report. They don't work. I think everyone knows at this point where we're all like, yeah, we just played a game for a couple of years and yeah. decided that 
all right, now we're done with it. It's not it's not convenient uh, anymore, and we now know that vaccines don't they're not they're not really vaccines. You know, maybe they'll take down your and you you might know more about it than I do. Well, that's oh, a whole probably another podcast. Oh, that's a whole pod. No, that's a that's a whole podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there was something you said just about you know because you have Rand Paul, you know Ben Carson, you have all these different politicians, and I think there's this odd tribalism where. It's like if you say like, oh, yeah, I, I agree with some of Rand Paul stuff, but not all of it. It's like, <gasps> you know, you have to agree with all of them. It's kind of the same. It's kind of like I feel like it's the same thing with other people's like you can like Trump is a great example where if you just even mention that you like some of the stuff that Trump says, yeah. and it's like, wow, you must be a Trump supporter. It's like, well, no, I like some of the stuff that he did. Um, but there's some stuff I didn't like. Yeah. And that's almost like an impossible thing to say where you got to throw yourself behind someone all the way or don't at all. And then there's kind of this middle ground of like, well, you can use critical thinking and say you don't have to be tribal about it if you don't want to. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a little bit, um, I think, naive to think that I've listened to everything that they have said. You know, I, I haven't listened to everything Trump said. I haven't listened to everything Rand Paul said. Mm-hmm. So I can't, with 100% certainty, say I agree with everything he says. And how because can I you? Yeah. yeah. You and can. I haven't. So to, to say that, I'll be, you know, from some of the things I have heard, I do agree with, but not all, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, and to what extent, I don't know, because I don't remember those conversations, but I do think they are, you know, good and, yeah. and trying and, you know, so. Yeah. No, I, I, I'd agree with that. And I think about, man, we're, we're getting now into national politics, but <laughs> I think about <laughs> Trump, like if you just point out one thing that he's done wrong, you have a whole slew of people that are like trying to defend him to the fullest. It's like, hey, it's okay to say that he might have messed up in this area, but you overall like what he's done. But yeah. there, I and, I and Connor and I, we have a tendency, um, t- to be honest, we go after the left pretty hard um, because they kind of deserve it. Like, and when I say the left, I mean the far left, the crazies, yeah. like the, you know, I don't, I, d- I don't mince words with them. Um, but we also, when we get the opportunity, kind of go after Republicans too, at, to some extent where it's like, you know, hey, um, you're kind of, as Michael Knowles says, it's a good phrase. They're squishy. You're squishy. <laughs> um, where you're just kind of like, mm, but you don't really like stand for anything, but you're a Republican. You kind of say you have these values. So, you know, when we get the opportunity, we, we go after Republicans. And it's not because I dislike Republicans. Obviously, you're here today. I, I'm, I'm a... a I'm registered as a Republican, um, but honestly, just to make the party stronger, where I'm just like, hey, if you want to actually see change, you know, you got to call out the weaknesses and say you're squishy mm-hmm. um, and you're not willing, you're not willing to get out there and do anything. And I think, and I, I don't, and you have to kind of tell me, because for you as Brett Kavanaugh, um, I think for me, it was definitely the, like the riots with George Floyd and all of that. Oh, yeah. That made me realize, I was like, we really got it got to step up to the plate because I'm all talk and I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm not much else uh, which is ironic because we're sitting here just talking <laughs> uh, about <laughs> about stuff but um you know obviously hoping hoping to do more um but I think people are starting to realize that they can't just be in the middle um but at the same time and I'm kind of going on a tangent and I understand this but uh, <laughs> we're also noticing like with that article it's that people feel a little bit lost at the same time because they're like, well, I don't love all the stuff because there are some like liberals that are like, wait, the left is going way, way, way too far. And so now I don't want to associate that with them. And some Republicans are like, okay, this is a little bit too Trump is God type situation. You know, I like him, but I don't really want to like be that dedicated. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to kind of move away. And so they kind of just feel a little bit lost. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of, I feel like, where we're at, where people want to step up to the plate, but they're kind of confused about where to go. Everyone's super polarized. We don't know where to go and all that stuff. And it just feels very, very messy. And some people get overwhelmed and they're like, oh, I can't do politics. Like, this is too much. Yeah, and I get that. I get that. Um, it, I mean, politics is messy. And it is. 